0: Thank you for downloading this in-ear entertainment podcast. You're listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets. Sonnet 154. The little love god, laying once asleep, laid by his side his heart-inflaming brand. Whilst many nymphs that vowed chaste life to keep came tripping by, but in her maiden hand the fairest vultry took up that fire, which many legions of true hearts had warmed, and so the general of hot desire was sleeping by a virgin hand disarmed. This brand she quenched in cool well by, which from love's fire took heat perpetual, growing a bath and health, health- Full remedy for men diseased, but I, my mistress' thrall, came there for cure. And this, by that, I prove: love's fire heats water; water cools not love. That was Sonnet One Five Four, otherwise known as the Final Sonnet. Do 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 do. I am Mark Chatterley, and I am, as always, joined by the my fellow Sonnet adventurer.
1: Sonnet Adventure, I like that. Jerry Healers.
0: <laughs> and, and we are in video!
1: We are in video. You can actually see us, people. Hello! I love pretty faces. We, we well, say, my pretty face.
0: We, we say people can see us. People who are listening to the normal podcast can't they see can't. us. They can't. No.
1: Sorry. No, I so guess me- we could always put this on the uh, feed as a video, but it might <laughs> screw with some people's bandwidth if suddenly there's like a 300 megabyte download <laughs> popping up. <laughs> they talked a long time on that last one. <laughs> <slide>. S- <laughs> Subscribing just downloading it over 3G and just that's your data <laughs> gone. <laughs> Sorry, guys.
0: Maybe, maybe we should describe ourselves. I, I, I am sat in front of my lovely microphone. I've got Darth Vader holding some whiteboard pens over one shoulder. And over the other shoulder, I've got um, art prints from the various audiobooks that In-Ear produces. And I'm very scruffy and hairy and haven't had a shave in, in forever and, and haven't had my hair cut since it was all cut off in September. So this is what um, six, seven, eight months of growth looks
1: like. I, can you actually see? Because in my thumbnail, you can't see my hair. you got fluffy hair. Yeah, that's because I showered today. It was. <laughs> it's, you it's say spring, that as if you don't bring cleaning. Do yeah, Christmas came early this year. It's very- I thought now now that I'm with female, I, I would wash quarterly instead of. Uh, biannually. (laughs) I don't remember that
0: being a sonnet we've come across with. Now that I'm in a relationship, I shall wash more often.
1: (laughs) I don't... Yeah, they probably didn't wash at all. Or swim in a river. Or in Cupid's (laughs) well. And perfume.
0: But, yeah, that's what they kind of did, wasn't it? That's why perfume was so... so, valued it was the uh oh, i'm not washing just spray myself with perfume it was like the oldie worldie version of lynx body spray or ax body spray <sighs> if you're european yeah it's um oh God. teenage boys just, just after they've done football practice just standing practice.
1: on a beach spraying themselves. they had the um the lynx two in one or whatever it was called <laughs> where you were supposed <laughs> to use two two different ones at the same time because I don't know. <laughs> One Lynx doesn't reek enough. So you just spray yourself with a two of them, just stand on a beach and then just all the women come rushing towards you and cuz yeah, that's, that's how it that's, works. That's what you want. That's, that women women works. are
0: driven. Women are driven by their nose. It's a, it's a it's a well-known fact.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the, the few times in my life I used um Lynx, I'm just I mean, I couldn't walk through the town center. They're just clinging to me. <laughs> so so now I'm on I don't even know. <laughs> Get off me! I knew one. I shouldn't have worn the links. Ah! <laughs> well, I have. I actually have deodorant lying right next to me at the moment. It's fit for a king. Wow! It was a I wouldn't have bought for a it, king. but it's um, refresh and revive deodorant body spray. Al fresco. Uh,
0: wow! Uh, definitely, a king would wear that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, they are quite nice. I just. I, have, I, I haven't used up my normal shampoo yet. And I'm not gonna. I'm not one of those people who has 16 different <sighs> bottles of shampoo and deodorant around the bathroom.
0: You're not wild when... enough
1: to open two different shampoos at once. No. I don't know why. I don't need it.
0: Because you can mix and match. It's like when you're doing the dishes. When you wash up the dishes by hand, you buy two different coloured washing up liquids so that you can squirt a bit of each in and you can... It makes the first bit of doing dishes a little bit fun because you can kind of make patterns on the bottom of the bowl with the two different coloured liquids.
1: Or is that just me? (laughs) You're a strange man. I I have to make things fun and interesting,
0: otherwise I won't do them. It's like when I mow the lawn. I have to mow the lawn in in geometric patterns because otherwise it's just utterly boring. (laughs) Anyway. Sonic 154. We should actually talk about Sonic 154. Wait, we should. Apparently
1: people can't see me right. They can't see your right. message saying you can only see me from my nose. Which is okay. weird because on here I can see my whole face. I can see I've your whole face now. Too. If... Hang uh, on. L-
0: let me have a quick look at the feed. This is highly technical. I am now I'm playing the feed while um <laughs> while doing it oh oh i can hear myself that's not good i'm just jumping back to see if i can see you no uh, on the youtube i can i can see you uh, as i do in the window
1: hmm. that's good my sorry wonderful I don't what... face
0: well it, yes it is was that was that from your from your other half going i want to be able to see no, you
1: no no my other half isn't watching oh, don't like me enough for that no, I not like you enough. That's uh, you're stuck with me. Well, you were stuck yeah. with me. Ninety more. Sh- <laughs> um, let's talk about the Sonic. We what, should probably say a few words. It's pretty much exactly the same as as uh, 153. He he really <laughs> ran out of ideas here. I mean, I have the quarter version here as well on the site that I'm using, and he just I quite like that he actually finished. With the word phoenix, just I'm done now. The end, stop annoying me. Which, which just he ended with what word? Sorry, phoenix, the um, the Latin word for the end,
0: really. Oh, okay, so that's
1: uh, uh, but below the sonnet, it's not part of the sonnet, but below the sonnet, oh, I see. apparently just said phoenix, <laughs> I'm done now. Oh, 154, the... The... Yeah. done.
0: I wonder, I, I mean, was that his aim from the beginning, to write 154 of them? Or did he just kind of get to this point and go, Oh, I'm
1: totally fed up with sonnets. I don't know. S- since they You're weren't the really business. ever meant to be published, which we've said countless times before, but I don't know if he had a plan or if he just wrote. I don't...
0: Because it does seem to be
1: calling it I in the I haven't a seen bit, anything but, about 100. But... 100-
0: the, the final two being such similar uh, in terms of theme. And, and in fact, I mean, they are two sonnets on exactly the same subject, really.
1: Yeah. There's like... It's almost identical. Cupid it's... laid by his brand and fell asleep on the 153. And only 154, the little love gods lying once asleep. And it's just like, that, that's repetition.
0: Yeah. I guess the only difference is in in 153... Um, it's the mistress that relights the 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 brand, the love brand. Whereas in that is true, one five four, it never extinguishes. But yeah, that's quite a uh, small distinction. I really like the um, the the whole idea of this sonnet more than the last one, I guess, which is the idea that. The the love brand, the, the power of love can heal and it creates this healing water, but it can't heal you from love sickness. It can't heal you from the sickness of love, which is, is absolutely wonderful. So, love's fire heats water, water cools not love. I, I thought that was a very good way to end the series because it's talking about uh, love as an obsession as well. He's, he wants to be cured of this obsession, but something transitory, something earthly like water just won't... Fix it. it. It's something deeper than that. It's something more
1: mystic, I guess. It's kind of like <clears throat> I don't know. It, I almost want to say it's too little, too late. That it's this wanting, getting, wanting to get rid of the obsession should have happened a hundred sonnets ago. <laughs> it, it's just. Back it's when kind of like you watch, you. you watch a TV show or a movie, and then. Ten minutes before the end, the writers just kind of realize that they need a twist, and it's just and and the twist doesn't make sense because it obviously was never planned and so it, just, it, it's just, just like oh yeah no an obsession is bad I need to get rid of this now please are you are just, you comparing Shakespeare
0: yeah. to JJ Abrams is that what you're doing right now yeah JJ Abrams and agents of shield. there was a wonderful episode of shield the other night that i almost went mental on twitter about but it would have taken far too many tweets but there's this wonderful bit in it which is meant to be a payoff for the previous 10 episodes and it's meant to be this massive emotional payoff means nothing because at no point in those previous 10 episodes have they endeared you to the character or made you sympathize or even like the character that much the in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they could walk into a, a building, have the building
1: blow up, kill every single one of them, <coughs> and I wouldn't care.
0: That's how bad they
1: have written this series. I don't give a damn. That's kind of what anything. happened. I don't know if you've seen Captain America, but that's kind of what happened. That's the plot of Captain America. Blow all the shit up! And I just went, eh, I don't care. Eh. it was just nothing.
0: And I, I suppose that actually does mirror in the sonnet. I don't care what happens to Shakespeare's character in the sonnets anymore. He's already shown himself to be a very despicable, almost stalkerish kind of character. That I don't care if he's in pain, or I don't care if he's suffering because of this, uh, this this obsession. Because he's you've given never
1: himself. seen him as kind. i yeah, I guess you can care about. Um characters that are evil but suffering if it's done right, and you can... Their story is told in a good way, but it hasn't. Shakespeare has just been a massive twat.
0: Yeah, and, 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 and I I don't think that's not saying that Shakespeare isn't a good writer. I think that was his intention. It has to have been his, been his intention to do that, to take us through the mindset of someone who's so lovesick they are essentially willing to strip down their own person and rebuild themselves in a way to serve someone else. And that's what happened, especially in the Fair Youth sonnets. At one point, he literally, the Shakespeare character, dismantled his own personality, became a shell, and then filled himself back up in the way he thought the Fair Youth would want him to be.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I suppose this is, I, that, that's my big takeaway from this, is if anyone ever talks to me about, about these sonnets being about love, they're, they're not about love. They're about obsession. And they're about uh, almost brainwashing and stalking and uh, obsession with love to the point where you lose all sense of self. It's, it's actually quite a dark series of sonnets, in, in, but quite interestingly written in a very kind of love flowery kind of way.
1: Yeah, I can see that. It just—I don't know. It's still not. (sighs) To use another TV, I've been watching Game of Thrones, and there is the the, the king in Game of Thrones is pure evil. There is just the show, or the right. I haven't read the books, and I'm not going to because I don't really. Like the writing of the show, all that much in the first place, but that character is just pure evil. Everything he does is evil, and and they don't give him a single redeeming quality. But it's it's I wonder who you could be talking about. It's it's done in a way where um it it's actually good. I mean, it's a you cannot not hate the character he's absolutely despicable but he is evil in such a pure way that it's very compelling yeah and, and, and shakespeare hasn't really yeah he's fallen short of that he's like he wants to be that man who is just completely obsessed and it just it doesn't feel he's kind of hovering around the 80 percent mark if we
0: I wonder if it's because the the character you're referring to takes joy in being that evil. That's that's what motivates this character. He does joy, and and it, he's not evil because it's evil. He's evil because that doing is what those he things. Is. Yeah, it makes brings him, him joy yeah. to do that. And and when you learn of his history, it kind of makes sense why he doesn't have the most straight moral compass. But in, in this, Shakespeare's character doesn't derive joy from his obsession. In fact, his
1: obsession causes him pain, yet he still seeks it out. So there yeah, were those... I'm not saying it, it should have been done the same way. I'm just saying he is still... As much as it causes him pain at several points throughout this series, he was on his way out, and then he's... Forced himself back into the obsession. Yes, yeah. and Maybe he is a masochist as opposed to Joffrey in Game of Thrones being a sadist. Maybe yeah, he, I... it is painful, but he loves the pain. But that also doesn't really... I don't know. It, it doesn't really feel, feel, like, feel like he's... And that just...
0: It would have been nice to see a resolution, I guess, to it. Because on both of the obsessions, the the fair youth and the dark lady, there was no resolution to it. We still don't know really what happened with the fair youth. That just kind of petered out and died. There was no the fair youth has moved on well, and then lived it his life, with left the, um, Shakespeare behind. A white space. Yes, was yeah, it, it, yeah. In fact, yeah, there were two um, empty lines in a sonnet, so it just ended. And then the 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 Dark Lady sonnets ended in a space where he was just kind of going, it's your fault, you make me love you. And and there was no resolution. Either Shakespeare's character never came to terms with what drives him to make these obsession, uh, obsession-made relationships, nor did we ever see a reaction from the Fair Youth or the Dark Lady to that kind of...
1: What the hell are you doing? But,
0: you're you're just someone I bumped into last Tuesday. What? You, we've
1: made this whole relationship? What? It's it's fair enough if Some Tor some, some Tories. Some Tories. Some Tories also don't get a conclusion, but some stories don't get a conclusion. And that's some stories don't need a conclusion, and some stories are actually better for not having it. But this final sonnet Kind of going back to what I said earlier. It, it, it the twist, uh, it kind of tries to fit in that resolution, and it's going like, go, "Oh yeah, by the way, my obsession won't be cured by this." Bye guys. It's just a. I almost wish that cured. wasn't. Yeah, but he's kind of.
0: <sighs> I suppose he does try he, he, to cure it, kind it that of... way, though.
1: I'm not I'm not saying he he my my point was he's um he's kind of just throwing that in as like a last also water can't cure this obsession it's
0: <laughs> yeah but when yeah, curing the obsession it, has never
1: really been he's An never actively like tried to cure the obsession and then at the end he just kind of goes those... oh yeah water doesn't do the job and just like
0: Although Were saying that ever... he, he, was more, he was more upset with the Dark Lady than he was with the Fair Youth. With the Fair Youth, I got the impression he didn't mind being in love with the Fair Youth. Whereas with the Dark Lady, he had real deep-seated issues with being in love with someone yeah. that the rest yeah. of society perceived as ugly. And that that seemed to be more of it than the race point of view. With the Fair Youth, he was happy being in love with because objectively anyone looking at the Fair Youth could see that he was the personification of beauty. But the Dark Lady, everyone thinks she's a munter. Why am I in love with her? Um which is, is I think slightly I, I quite liked that contrast anyway. Um but this isn't just water, this is this is magical water, made by Cupid's love brand.
1: Love brand, yeah.
0: Um so I but I suppose you have to take that in the context that even Well, we're quite a superstitious culture now and, and religion plays a huge part of our culture we're just about to go into the Easter holidays now which is fundamentally a a Christian slash pagan holiday Um, so that's still in our culture but back in Shakespeare's time it would have been even more so and and there would have been more identification with Cupid and nymphs and all of the imagery he stuffed into this sonnet so the idea of this magic water that was created by a virgin nymph essentially Um, de-vergifying herself by, by thrusting this hot brand into some cool water in a very sexual way. That special magical water made by the nymph and Cupid and magic wasn't enough to stop this love. I think it's quite a powerful message. Maybe it's just been eroded slightly in time because we don't tend to attribute love to Cupid and don't believe in nymphs
1: anymore some people probably do <laughs> but <laughs> That's it's probably true <laughs> I d I i find it an interesting idea that nothing not not even the power of i don't know if cupid was a god or whatever he was mad magical higher beings don't have enough power to stop the love is is a very interesting idea to just kind of Almost have it as an afterthought.
0: Yeah, and I suppose that's my biggest criticism too, is like you say, the they're just tacked onto the end, these two sonnets. It's you're right, it's as if Shakespeare's got to this point and gone oh, I need I need something else. This this story needs this big epic arch needs something else. Oh well, I'll throw in a couple of sonnets about mysticism and how even that can't destroy the love. It does kind of come out of the blue.
1: And just... Tuck, tucked on to the end. Just... I don't know. I don't want to say pointless, but it just... Why bother at this point?
0: <laughs> wow. that That's quite a strong view. I, I don't know if I quite agree with that. I really like... I quite like them as a way of summing up the sonnets. I... I I think I would have been happier getting a resolution with the actual characters involved rather than this mystical woo-woo stuff at the end. And and I think you're right that this would have been more powerful had it have been seeded through the rest of the sonnets. Had had <laughs> oh my gosh, we're going to end up talking about to Who again. The just throwing this in at the end as as a big look. It must have been deep, meaningful love because even the god of love or Cupid couldn't change it. It was is a bit pathetic. that should have been seeded through this idea of maybe trying to get a cure and and the character taking different steps to try and fix his obsession would have been quite good but it didn't happen we're criticizing Shakespeare
1: this is this is I think that, that, that's what it's always led to after after 18 months <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a point worth addressing we've been doing this for eighteen months it it I don't. I wrote it somewhere on Facebook, just saying it feels like a long and a short time simultaneously. <laughs> it's just it's like on the one hand you just kind of go eighteen months is a really bloody long time, but also I can't. It feels like we started last September, not not or October, whenever it was.
0: Yeah, twenty. We've had two Christmases. We had to do two sort of massive recording yep. sessions to get over yep. Christmas
1: and stuff like that.
0: It's very odd and i last week cuz so we've had a gap of a, a week or two between recording 153 and and this one because we wanted to do this one live and and the last couple of Thursdays we have just been texting each other going it's very odd we're not going to spend 2 hours on the phone to each other today yeah it's
1: it's got to be we need another podcast mark we, Pe- we- people still <laughs> haven't given us well, people have given us ideas, but... Yeah, not usable <laughs> <given> ones? Us. <laughs> not, not, not usable I, <laughs> ones? I think you should talk about
0: sex toys, yet that's mm, not a usable no, podcast idea. No.
1: Not for Inia the brand. There probably is a market
0: <laughs> no. for that, but... Not for, um... India presents best male sex toys of 2013.
1: No, not good. No. No. Mark and Thierry. Skyping someday Skyping Thursdays. <laughs> I love... Oh, dear. It's really
0: interesting. I suppose a good question, <laughs> uh, a question I've been trying to ponder for the past couple of weeks is, if Shakespeare was alive now, would he be considered the master writer that he is having been alive 400 years ago?
1: That is a good question. I don't... <sighs>
0: it's quite hard because i'm not hugely up on modern uh written poets i i'm not a huge fan of modern written poetry um compared to modern spoken poetry but um and that's a huge thing i saw on my on my creative writing degree it was absolutely brilliant when i did it is you get all these people on the first day and then and, and the lecturer go so which of you want to be po- poets and about seven people put their fingers up a Hands up, and then they would go. Oh, so which modern poets do you particularly like? And not one of them could ever name a modern poet. And it's just like you've got to—you've got to at least have an interest in the field you're trying to make a career out of, surely.
1: Yeah, the problem is, it's not poetry. Isn't cool. It's—it's it's not. It isn't cool. Poetry isn't cool. It's and I say that as as a poet. <laughs> it's not. People don't give a damn about poetry anymore. It's not, and those people who do, they tend to read the old ones. They they tend to read Shakespeare, Eliot's, all those kind of Browning, the, both Brownings. It's it's not really.
0: Yeah, they the, the It's
1: all about the J.K. Rowling and the Dan Brown, not so much anymore, thank goodness, but it's yeah, all about Neil never, Gaiman, all those kind of...
0: Poets never had been put on that same pedestal. We're moving into, which is quite nice, um, this is slightly, well, this is very off topic anyway, but we're moving into a world again which respects um, writers, but we've kind of gone too far. So back in the 80s, if you watch TV, you used to see the who the writer was at the beginning of a show. So the BBC had a regular half-hour drama slot and a regular half-hour comedy slot. And you'd get the writer's name at the beginning of the show because it mattered that Victoria Wood had written another half-hour sitcom or half-hour, yeah, comedy. And, and that mattered. And then we moved very recently into a time when the writer's name was at the end, after the director and after the main actors because they were less important. And now we've moved very much modern times into this is a Stephen Moffat show! Yeah, but we've taken the writers and put them on this massive pedestal now so that there can only be two or three big names in writing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I have dealt with... And then sometimes that's not even... I know um, with Stephen Moffat... Um, Neil Gaiman wrote two Doctor Who episodes. So far, one of them was good and one, one of them was two. pants. Yeah, that was the problem. It was like was it the first one with the And I just watched them and I went yeah, it just It had some emotional um, parts. Yeah, it it but you kind of think oh I not I'm sure not a particular fan of Neil Gaiman, but I know that he does good work, but it's just I'm not into fantasy and that kind of world genre kind of so I'm not gonna religiously follow him and read all his stuff. Yeah. But you kind of watch that episode and they drummed up so much PR around the fact that Neil Gaiman wrote this episode. And then you watch it and you go, "Yeah, this could have been an RTD episode." It's like,
0: and I think Russell T Davis may have done it better as well. Probably, um, but uh, but his second episode was atrocious, so bad on so many levels. It had those two one. child actors in it. It was the Cyberman one with um uh, with the the
1: um, little actor who's the king. Or the oh, prince. with um with Cyberman. Yeah, the guy who played the Ewok in Star Wars. I can't remember yeah. his name now.
0: And it had yeah. it had
1: these two child actors in it who were
0: useless and literally to the point where I think they must have rewritten the script on set because after the first couple of scenes, all they did was just stand in the corner. Don't don't say anything. Just stand there and look sullen. <laughs> it was really funny. But um I, I wonder whether Shakespeare would be seen in that kind of light, would he be a superstar writer today? And I'm not sure he would be, mainly because if you take these sonnets, they are dealing with... Uh, I suppose you'd... Ha- you- whether you'd argue that you'd have to contemporize what he was writing, but for what we've been saying for the past couple of sonnets, is that Shakespeare comes across very much as a nice guy, one of those internet nice guys where...
1: Yeah, fedora
0: wearing necks. Yeah, that, you know, women... women need a man to... Women's place is below a man. Women should answer to a man. They should never take the lead in relationship. And that's very much how these sonnets have run. And it would be a very... I think if more people realised that's what the sonnets were about to some extent, they wouldn't have the position in contemporary kind of idolatry that
1: they do have. Yeah. It It just... I I don't think um... (sighs) Shakespeare might not be It's, it's... it's the question would the writings now be considered as great if he wrote them now or would Shakespeare as an author be able to thrive as much as he did. Back then, because those are two different questions. Because I don't think if he wrote the sonnets today or any of his plays, mm. there might be a breakout. There, I don't know, Hamlet, King Lear. What? There might be a play that kind of puts him on the scene in the theatre world. If if it was that exact play. But yeah. if he lived today and... Well, in both scenarios, he would be living today. But if he lived today and just was an author who wrote new stuff today, I think he could be. Because he's obviously... He's, he's a very talented writer and he... Broads a lot of the words and expressions we use today in English. He he, he invented those and and or brought them over from Latin or French or other languages. So, if he lived he, today, he could very well be a defining author. He could be one yeah. of the greats.
0: I think, I I wonder if this... So, the idea that Shakespeare invented a lot of language, we don't know if he did invent the language, or whether he was just the first popular author to use, to, to use what them. was in the common yeah. tongue. Because Shakespeare was in a very interesting position that he was a... Privileged person in society, he was the son of a tanner, which uh, gave him free uh, public school education in Stratford because the tanner was a respected trade. So he got to go to public school and get educated, well above uh, the normal students, uh, normal kids of his age. Um, but also, he wasn't ever when he was young. He didn't come from a, a, a noble, a, a massive land-owning yeah. family. He so. He he was very lucky that he was able to leverage his, his dad's position as a tanner to get the education. So he spanned both the common people world and the higher class world, which is why a lot of people don't think he wrote his stuff. And because a commoner could never write this stuff. It must have been Francis Bacon, mustn't it? Because he, he was a, a lord and a sir, and, and it couldn't have been this tanner's son. That's ridiculous, but... So there is a question about whether the language was invented by Shakespeare or whether he was just the first person to put what was in use by the common people put, into put text. Up, yeah. Because the higher haughty torty writers of the time would have wouldn't have ever been exposed to that language. But even so, that bodes well for now in the sense that it would suggest that he's very flexible with language and very good at taking common vernacular terms and and translating them into into higher class media. He, he
1: wouldn't... If he did write today, I don't... I would see him more as... I can't think of another writer. If... You I ever, can't
0: um, see him... I couldn't see him, couldn't see
1: him the win block. the Man Booker Prize today. I, no. I wouldn't see him as a literary writer. I. But I also can't see him as a Dan Brown. And I can't quite think of a writer who would be... Have you ever seen um, Attack
0: the Block? It's a UK movie.
1: I've seen Um, the trailer, but I missed the film.
0: Very, very good. It's set on a uh, housing estate in East London, I believe. So very kind of uh, bottom of the run. Lots of, of gang kind of related stuff going on. And it's got the kids in the area, and they all speak in that kind of Ganglandy way. I kind of almost had to have subtitles on to understand what they were saying um, because I'm not from that world at all. But aliens attack, and and it's very funny, and they they fight them off. Very very well done because it breaches that gap, bridges that gap between a very specific common vernacular hmm. and brings it into a wider audience. But I think that's written by either Adam or Joe from Adam and Joe, um, which was kind of a UK. Duo. Oh, uh,
1: Adam Boxton and Joe
0: someone else and i think it's written by one of them and i i would consider i think shakespeare if he was alive nowadays would would operate in a kind of world like that him uh, adam and joe and um charlie brooker those kind of people who are quite satirical and yet um span
1: more than one social class yeah yeah i guess in comedy there are quite a few i know um stand-up comedy or, or comedy writers. There's quite a few of those that are j- like John Bishop um, the, the Scouser kind of very rough kind of shipyard kind of background city and in, in very very much working class place or um, Limac is somewhere like not the traditional kind of London and the South East well-educated, eaten, yeah. always had money, kind of background. So yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe he would be. He did write good comedies. Shakespeare did. Shakespeare did. So he did, and, and maybe that that would be his market.
0: And it's interesting how Shakespeare has been appropriated by the higher classes in the modern world. Um, he's seen as this. Very academic, and this is partly why we started this this podcast because I wanted to look at the sonnets from a non-academic point of view. Because Shakespeare never really wrote in intending it to be studied like that. He he wrote for the common people. It was designed; these plays were designed to keep drunk, bawdy men interested and in something to do in the evening. That's the kind of audience, and I I get annoyed that he keeps getting put up on this pedestal. So I yeah I kind of like the idea that. He would be a comedian who 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 didn't go to Oxford. I think that would be a, a very nice place for Shakespeare to to sit in in the modern world. And and it also because his his stuff has been appropriated by the the higher class nowadays, and it gets studied over a lot. A, a lot people get the wrong idea about what these things are. Like we talked about a couple of times, the sonnets. are get we I've heard it a lot. The sonnets are the ultimate. Love poems in history—they're not about love; they're about they're obsession. Not, no, no. And and you get that about Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet is is a love story between a young boy and a young girl. No, it's not. Firstly, the full title is the tragedy of Romeo and Juliet, which should give you a hint as to what it's yeah, about. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's a tragedy. <laughs> God damn it, they're not.
0: And and it's about what happens when you deny your child something, when you let a silly feud get in the way of childish. Um, lust and obsession. So the only the thing that drives Romeo and Juliet together is their families telling them they can't be together, and and they only go as far as they do because it's a taboo because it's been had sanctions because put their on family it. tries to stop them. Yeah, and yeah. the more their family tries to stop them, and the more more people try to dissuade them, the more it drives Romeo and Juliet to the ultimate end, which well, is
1: it, it creates a desperation because. Well, I mean, from when they first meet at the party... They want... They just... I don't know. They really fancy each other and they want to fuck. Yeah. And they kind of... They go from that to just... Through through their family history... just Just being pushed into the desperation... Where death is ultimately the only way out. And it's not even... Neither of them wants to die... That's that's really yeah because they're both trying to. do what it, it makes in a, in it even a more way. tragic because yeah.
0: Because I think at the beginning <clears throat> of Romeo and Juliet, isn't
1: Romeo talking about some other bird, some other yeah, girl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I starts, it in... starts off with Romeo talking about another girl that he's so, obsessed so... with, and then he goes to the party and then gets told he can't Juliet have Juliet. And, um, yeah, and that
0: switches his obsession. So it's not it's not a story, and, and I suppose that one of the reasons I wanted to start these sonnets was to have a look at them from this point of view and, and to see what they were really about because generally if you've been told something and taught something about Shakespeare, it's not a whole truth uh, and, and sometimes it's not a truth at all. So if you ever get told that Romeo and Juliet is a story about love, it's not. It's about lust and and tragedy and, and, and parental rules pushing kids into things that rather than stopping them doing the thing that they're trying to stop them from in the first place. I guess. We're kind of coming to an end because we've been talking for 40 minutes about, well, not we just have, the sonnet, Shakespeare in general, which is a good summing up. Is there is there anything else you would like to say
1: about the sonnets or Shakespeare? We, we had, um, just about uh, Shakespeare as a writer today, we had, um, it's been confirmed that Joe Cornish from the and Joe duo wrote it, Jacques Thay on Twitter told us, so Excellent. you were right with that, Mark. I'm I'm very I'm very very clever. You see, that's why. That's well done. We, <laughs> it, we uh, it it took eighteen months, but, but we have proven your cleverness ability. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so final 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 view on the the sonnets of Shakespeare before
1: I get you to read the final sonnet. <sighs> Very glad we did this because I was one of those people who thought that it was love's poems because that's what I was taught in school. And that's the ones that we, we've. Sonnet 115? Is it 59? One of those that is always read as one of the greatest love poems in English history. I can't remember now. 115? 115, 115 119, one of those. 115 is um, those lines that I before have writ Delay. What was one one nine? Was it one one nine then? See, there's too many of these. It's it's quite hard <laughs> to keep track. I don't know, but there, there's there's like a few that um yeah just, get held up, get being... cited, held up as um the love poems. It might have been that one actually.
0: One one eight is um. Uh, I don't know, maybe not. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, you're right. There, there are too many of them to just refer to them by number.
1: Stop yeah, doing that, yeah. people. But I'm quite la- glad we... Um... That's weird. I just got a secondary people broadcasting joint, joint. But I can't see anyone. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, we it, it. I learned a lot about Shakespeare and the sonnets and... The misconceptions we we not only have, but the misconceptions we are taught by teachers and lecturers, people who should know <laughs> that these are not love poems and just still teach them as that. And it's I'm I'm yeah, happy that I know better now and, and sad that I, I went through school. Being taught something that cannot possibly be more wrong, <laughs> but there we go,
0: there we go. I I think that's a that's a good point. So basically, don't trust teachers, don't trust your parents, don't trust anyone in authority. God, we're becoming
1: quite libertarian. This isn't good. Um, that's that's a good lesson but- anyway. If anyone tells you gives you information, check it first before you <laughs> yeah, believe. Always it. check.
0: Otherwise, you'll sound like an idiot. And that's not good. I think you should read Sonnet 154. I will
1: read. One last time. Gonna screw up now. It's live. I can't. We can't edit out mistakes. (laughs) No, I know. I screwed up a little on the intro. Damn it. Sonnet 154. The little love god lying once asleep, led by his side his heart in flaming brand, whilst many nymphs that vowed chaste life to keep came tripping by. But in her maiden hand the fairest votary took up that fire which many legions of true hearts had warmed, and so the general of hot desire was sleeping by a virgin hand disarmed. This brown she quenched in a cool well by which from love's fire took heed perpetual, growing a bath and healthful remedy for man diseased. But I, my mistress thrall, came there for cure and this by that I prove. Love's fire heats water, water calls not love. I did the 154 sonnets and I still read as prove and not prov. (laughs) Too many syllables, bad you. That was...
0: Sonnet one five four written uh, written read beautifully by Thierry. There, I have been Mark Chesley, and for the final time, you can follow me on
1: Twitter at In Ear And I have been Thierry Halas, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sound of Seagulls. And if you have any ideas on what we should do next, do let us know. We Thank we you. are open to uh, suggestions within the realm of literature and. Writing in the wider sense because really, if you've been with us the entire time, you know that about 95% of this podcast has been about Doctor Who and (laughs) how much we hate other TV show writers. (laughs) We really need to write our own TV show, we do. Uh,
0: Um, final plug for Inia this podcast is done through Inia Entertainment, it's a company that. I Set up and Thierry works with, he's my second in command. Uh, we create and publish audiobooks for up and coming writers. We also do free to download uh podcasts. So, this is one of the podcasts, there's Supermarket Matters, which is a sitcom, and there's soon hopefully to be a drama. But we're working on that, that's Thierry's project, so I won't talk about that too much now. He's he's deep in stealth we, mode, we, as we they will call reveal
1: it. that as and when we, we are ready. Well, hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. So
0: please do check out InEar inEarEntertainment.com and there's links to all of our social media profiles there and a contact us, so send us an email because we'd like to hear from you. I've been Mark Chasley.
1: I have been Jerry Healers.
0: And we shall not see you again for another sonnet. They're all gone. It's all over
1: now. (laughs) Bye bye people.